Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. You know, I love this declaration this morning of walking in faith, not walking by sight. And as we walk by faith, we have to know as we look at the cross that there is a faithful one. And being faithful is being full of faith. And I think many times when we say walking by faith, it's, um, if you take some of that gain out there, Jordan, if we can't get it, Alec, if you could run up that hand mic till we figure this out. But when we are full of faith, it means we're full of Jesus. And it's not full of an emotion. We'll just use this one today, Jordan. Test one, two. You don't want to hear my voice squeal all day. That's for you. All right, so we want to be full of faith today. And I think of the mother of Jesus who was mentioned. And I have a, a message today that is titled, He First Loves Us. Because we can't do anything. We can't respond and be faithful or trust in the faithful one unless we know He And there's this great scripture, Allison, if you would put this up. And I, I believe this speaks to of what it means to be a mom. And it's the heart of Mary. It's the heart of the mother of Jesus. And it's when the angel Gabriel came to her and gave her startling news. I don't know about you, but when I have startling news, maybe you find out someone you love has gone into the hospital or there's a tragedy or a circumstance that you've stumbled into. What we see here is we see Mary's posture. Look what it says when she heard of this news that she would give birth and it wouldn't be of how birth would be understood but it says the Holy Spirit would shadow over her and she would conceive Jesus this was her response and let this be ours today it said but she kept these things and she pondered them in her heart and having a faithful life walking by faith and not by sight isn't reacting all the time it's responding This was Mary's response. It was that she would ponder and that she would keep them close to her heart. Many of us today, when the Lord touches us or when there's breakthrough or when we see that he's calling us forward or calling us into maybe a season we're not prepared or ready for when the news comes, I pray we can see wisdom here, that we bring them close to our heart and we think on them. There's a great book I got for Brie for Mother's Day, and I've just been reading through it, and it's called The Aesthetic Lives of Mothers. And it encourages mothers who, you know, many times the role of a mom is denying yourself to love um, your children, denying yourself to serve your home, denying yourself as we all do, even fathers. And there's a, a, a explicit to Christianity, it means denying yourself to be not selfish, but selfless. And I love this prayer, and I want to open up with it today, is it has a litany of prayers to just encourage moms in every 
season. If you bow your head with me, just receive this today. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, who came into this world, hear this, not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Help me, Jesus. I beseech you in my ministry. Here it says, of caring for the children you have given me. Enable me to be patient in tribulations, to instruct with a meek and gentle spirit, to reprimand with inner tranquility and a sober mind, and to serve in humility of heart with love. May I thus live in you alone, by you alone, and for you alone, showing forth your virtues and leading my family on the path of your saving commandments, that we may glorify you together with the Father and your all-holy and life-giving Spirit, both in this world and that which is to come. And there's a great quote on prayer I want to leave you with before we get into the Word. One of my favorite church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, says this. He says, prayer. Prayer is a great weapon, a rich treasure, a wealth that is never exhausted, an undisturbed refuge, a case, a cause of tranquility, the root of a multitude of blessings and their source. Jesus, today, as we feast upon your word, as we partake of your body and your blood today, oh Jesus, you're the one who first loved us and let us get a revelation. Let us catch your love today. Let us know in the deepest parts of who we are, that you are loving, you are kind, you are gracious, you are just. And that as we pray and communicate and know you and talk with you, God, that it would never be exhausted, but it be the wealth and the treasure that we go mining for in the spirit, in our prayer room, as we open your word and get to know our Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We love Jesus and we thank you for him today. In the name the strong Son of God, we pray the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, Corey. And uh, Jordan, if you bring the lights up, can't have anybody falling asleep today. But I want to encourage you with the message that he first loved us. And this comes from a wonderful passage of Scripture uh, that we find in 1 John. We read it this morning in our Gospel reading. But I believe in my heart today, and I always think on days like Mother's Day and Father's Day is sometimes as we've talked of already, and, and what a beautiful moment of just praying for moms today. Could you feel the Spirit in that, just ministering in a very deep way? And that's always our heart, is that the Holy Spirit would touch you in not just a frivolous way, not just a, a way that is just spontaneous all the time, but very strategically, very deeply, and, and minister to the core of, of who you are in Christ. And um, today, as we think of him today as we think of the scripture and what it means of how he first loved us. What this means is that it is a, we have to first receive it, 
receive his love before we can release it. And many of us, what we're going to see today is to truly love is a spirit thing, is a Holy Spirit thing. But you can't love outside of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many definitions of love. There's so many ways that love is defined in the world and in culture. And if we're not careful, there can be this compromise and this mixture of how we're to really love, how we're to walk in love. And when I think of a day like Mother's Day, I believe God graces moms to love in a way that is very biblical, to love in a way that is very spirit-filled, that God really gives mothers to be a, a symbol of what it means to truly love, the way that you serve, the way that you care, the way that you lay your life down for your family, the way that you continue to serve. But as Brianna said, you never stop being a mom. But it's important that we just don't see the hardship all the time, right? That yes, there is a cross, but on the other side of those cross moments is where you experience the fullness of what he has, where you experience what it truly means to know love and then to allow his love to go th to move through you. We getting better on this mic here, Jordan? So make sure we don't... Okay, I believe in you. We love you. We love our sound guy. They have a hard job, and they do great every week. I want us to look at Colossians 1, 7 through 8. This is where we see that to truly love is a spirit issue. It's not a matter of willing something up. It's not a matter of thinking, oh, I love that person. But it's a deep work taking place in you. Colossians 1, verse 7. It says, And as you also learn from Ephorus and our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, hear this, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. I want you to repeat after me, and I want you to get this in your spirit this morning. Say this with me. It says, I can only love by the Spirit. I can only love in the Spirit. And I can only love through the Spirit. So I can only love by the Spirit, in the Spirit, and through the Spirit. And this is the depth of the place we want to go in how we understand God loving us and how we love each other. Anybody today, show of hands, I believe this would be a full room, wants to love better. And if we want to love those around us better, we have to then get to the pipeline of where love is manifested, where it's poured out, where it's deposited into our lives. And so we see that this is a spirit thing and as we think of the world's view of love, I, I've, I've said for many times in many years is that this is really, if you sum up the way the world sees love, and it's this, and this is the tension of what we live in in our culture. But the world's way of love says this. It says, I want to do whatever I want, and I need you to agree with it. I'm going to feel whatever I want. I'm going to live by whatever truth I want. And you are unloving unless you agree with it. And we're living in this tension of where if you follow biblical love, if you follow the way that the Spirit teaches us to love, then there's going to be some clear contrast and there's going to be some clear um, differences in the way the world says you should love. Quite frankly, in the day we live in and the time we live in, the way the world loves is in that corner 
and the way we're called to love as Christians is way over here. But there's been so much confusion and so many blurred lines to try to get you to think it's the same thing or we're a lot closer than what we, what we really think. But when we truly understand and when we truly love the way he loves, there is a unity that is surrounded only by the presence of God that without his presence being poured into our lives, you, you might be kind or you might love or might have a little bit of joy for about 20 minutes, but it's going to wear out and it's going to wean out and then you're going to be loving in your flesh or you're going to have your own definition of love. But we want to love the way he teaches us to love and quite frankly, it's the scripture says that they will know we are his followers. They will know we're Christians by our what? By our love. John 3, 16, you go through all the one scriptures we should know that we should be able to pull out of our pocket at any time. They're usually revolved around love because the world responds to love. And you see movements, you see um, parades, you see all of these things that try to cast itself as a picture of love. And I want you to be aware and I want you to be discerning and I want you to have a heart that unless you know in your heart of hearts and have had an experience with Jesus that he first loved you, you can't fully love the way he designs us to love, the way he's created us to love. And I want you to see the scriptures today and it to take you deeper in how we love him. So when he loves us, three ways that quickly came to mind of how we love him back. Because there's a way we love Jesus back, right? Not just saying, oh, I love you, Lord. Right? There's something deeper that he calls us into of how we minister to his heart, how we love him, how we are able to, to give back and respond correctly. So three ways that come to mind of how we love Jesus, how we love the Lord, is one, we spend time with him. Right? If there's no connection, if there's no relationship, then there really is no love. Number two is obedience. The scriptures say time and time again that if we love him, we obey him. Right? That there is an obedience to his word. And it's not that when uh, we experience him, this is the beauty of it, it's not this legalistic ritual thing of, oh, now I have to obey him, is you can't wait to rip open the scriptures and say, how can I love him more? And what is, what is his prescription of this healthy, biblical, spirit-filled love? Because the world has one way, and it leaves me high and dry every time I try to respond in the way the world says to love. But when the scriptures speak of love, it puts a love in you, and it goes so deep through you that you can't get enough of it. And this is what our world needs, quite frankly, even more. This is what the church needs again, is an understanding of what love really is because it's so misinterpreted, it's so abused, misused, and misunderstood. It's why we love the scripture of what Jesus says as well, that there is no greater love than that a man lay his life down. This is why... On the cross, Jesus gave us the biggest message, the biggest moment, the biggest monument and memorial of his love. That when we look at the cross, we should see the greatest picture of love that's ever been displayed and that will ever be displayed. That's why when you walk into the sanctuary, this is why we have a massive rugged cross in our church, is you should be overwhelmed and reminded every time you see it 
of he first loved me. So when I come in and worship, I'm just not singing some song or trying to enter into something. It's already been finished. It's already been accomplished. And now I am responding to the love that is pouring out from this cross, even 2,000 years later from when the crucifixion happened on Calvary. It is this perpetual reminder that love is flowing from him. Let's look at the scripture again, 1 John. Allison, you had it up. Let's put it up again and skip down to verse 17. It says that love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have a boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. So we love the way he teaches us to love. How Jesus loved, guess what? We can love that way too. But understand it comes through a cross. This is where usually the crossroad hits of we can't fully experience it because usually it comes through a self-denial and a dying of ego, a dying of self. And when we hit this crossroad, just as Jesus did, he perfected it and walked in it. But when our cross comes upon us, whether gentle or heavy, we usually either squirm or we don't fully embrace it because it's uncomfortable. But see this, that there is no fear in love. Somebody say amen. Real love doesn't have fear, but this perfect love. Anybody want perfect love this morning? I know this is what I'm after. That it cast out this fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you have this perpetual fear, whether it be in any area of your life, maybe fear spiritually of going in all in with Jesus, his body, his church. Maybe it's a fear of, can I really trust him in my finances? Maybe it's a fear, can I trust him in my marriage or my relationships? You have to allow perfect love to touch that area. Because it's only in allowing him, surrendering, yielding to that, can you experience his true love in a more perfect way. And see this, this is where we get it, in real love in verse 19 because he first loved us. What I was studying, we've been looking in the book of Genesis as these um, prototypes and these types of Christ that are seen all the way from the beginning. And that is we're in this season of between Easter and Pentecost, which is two Sundays from now, where we celebrate and we look to the sending of the Holy Spirit. Next week is Ascension Sunday, so it's 40 days after Easter, and we celebrate the Lord's Ascension and you, you may have never heard a message on the ascension and the power of what the ascension of Jesus into heaven means. But if you come next week, I believe you're going to be touched, you're going to be healed, because there is so much power in this moment that I believe as the church we, we forget and we don't look to. We rush right to Easter and we get to Pentecost. We get to the Holy Spirit. We want to get to the power. But we don't meditate and simmer in what Jesus did in his resurrected body before he ascended. I'm telling you, there's been littered with so many amazing things. And if you've been here for the series, I pray you've been blessed. And as you've seen these nine accounts of Jesus and his resurrection, as he's opened the scriptures, as he's done all the things to remove doubt, to remove fear, as he got personally said, love runs to Jesus. And my heart and my goal is through this series that you would run a little faster to him. You would up your pace, you would up your step, that you would understand the internal importance of loving him and allowing him to love you. This is where, this is the space in between we should be caught up in. But the enemy's after that and wants to pervert that and ruin that and taint it. 
So it says in Genesis when Adam was formed, and you can go and you can read the account, but you would see that before Adam's nostrils were breathed into by the life of God, that he was, his body was formed, it was made, and the scripture gives account that his body was there lifeless. So we know in other portions of scripture that humanity, when we're created, we are fearfully, we are wonderfully made. And here, before Adam was breathed into it, it, it makes a very important mention that his body was lifeless. And you see, this is a picture of when you allow the Father, when you allow Jesus to love you, you have to be still. Because many of us, our hearts are everywhere. They're spastic. They're fearful. And when there's just a spastic, fearful heart and you don't stand still, it's hard for God to grab your nostrils and breathe life into it. And many of us today, if you can hear what I'm communicating, what I'm sharing, because I've been there, I know it, you have to still yourself and allow God to breathe into your nostrils. And it was at the moment when Adam's nostrils were filled with the life of God, he was moving, he was living, he had his being, everything began. And you see, this is a picture, many of us, we're walking around, we appear to have a body, we're sitting there, we have fingers and nose and lips and all the things that God's created us, but we've not allowed him to consistently breathe into our nostrils. And that life that's breathed into us is love because God is love and his very breath, his very power, his very spirit constantly sheds abroad in our heart the love of God. And I'm telling you this today because when you fall head over heel, heel in love with Jesus, it makes the obedience factor, the sacrificial factor, that the cross simply says, less of me, more of you. I give this up, and as I give this up, I pick up my cross, I follow you, and the blessing of following him, you don't even remember what you gave up because on the other side, it's so powerful and it's so amazing. But we get so caught up as, do I really have to give that up? Is he really requiring of that me? Do I have to really love my enemy as I love myself? But there's these walks and ways that Jesus teaches us. And if we don't allow the scripture, if we don't wrestle with it, we'll never catch the fullness of it. You see, you need to know this about Jesus, how he works. I've I found this out the hard way in, in times of my life. Is he is not a rewarder of the curious. You're just curious if you're just kind of skeptical. But the scripture says he is a rewarder of the diligent. That when you diligently seek him, you will find him. And many of us, we just stay curious about him. We stay curious about his love. We stay curious about his ways, his commandments. We just kind of scratch the surface. But when we get in, we open the scriptures, we get diligent about it. That's when you really find him, and that's when he makes himself real. You know, I'm a believer as well as we see God build this house and see him do it his way and bring provision and, and, and all the, the many things that we're moving into as a church is two things I want to be paramount and staple of what should draw you every Sunday into God's house. Is It's not a great worship band. It's not great preaching. But it's simply what the Word of God says. It's his presence. It's his love. It's his touch. That we don't have to do all of these programs all of these events to bring people in. 
Because however you come in, guess what? That's how we have to keep you for the next 50 years. This is what churches deal with every day of the week. And I'm not against all of these things and, and the way that churches handle things, but I'm saying for this house, can we be a house that we don't have to beg you, we don't have to give you stuff, we don't have to throw candy at your kids to get you to come to church? Can we bring these things back of, of really some of the most powerful times that we saw, that we've seen in the body of Christ in the last 50 years? It didn't involve your kids getting candy on the other side of it. There was something that was deep within God's people that whenever the church doors are open, I'm there. And if we're going to be faithful followers and really know his love, we can't be intimidated by it. See, when you start talking this way, there can be this sense of, I get intimidated of what God may do because he may require something of me. You see, in your marriage, let's talk about marriage for a minute, there is something required of you that just because you said, I do, doesn't mean everything magically comes together. Now the work begins. Now you've got to put in the work. You've got to show up. You've got to communicate. You've got to have trust. You've got to build fidelity. That it's this lifelong journey of, showing up and allowing yourself to be yielded to receive love from him so that you can love the person that God's designed for you and put right in front of you, that you can't cut and run. And the same is with Jesus. As many times when it gets sticky or a little stuffy in church or I'm stepping into things that I don't really like or I don't really like that pastor's talking about love in this way or whatever it may be, we all have our opinions and they're all welcomed. But at the end of the day, we have to go back to what do the scriptures say? This is what I'm bound to. This is what we should all be bound to. And we should say, Holy Spirit, wrestle these vices out of me. Work in me. Pour your love in me so that I can even know what the real thing is. I'm, I am eternally convinced that the reason we have the mess in the world today is because there's not been a real encounter of the love of God. They've never seen the real thing. And if you never know the real thing, you make something up. Or you go a different direction and say, this feels good, that must be love. Well, love has nothing to do with a feeling. Love is willing the good of the other. I love my life, life not because I feel like it, but I want to will the good into her life. And this is what we've got to do. We've got to make a choice. Come thick or thin, come hell or high water, come good or bad. I'm going to stay faithful because he doesn't reward the curious. He rewards the diligent. And I want to be diligent. But when you sign up to be diligent, you're signing up for a hard path, a path that looks a lot like a cross. So we see this life poured into Adam, and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit pouring life into us. And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, we're going to be doing a 10-week series on him and 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 we're going to be going deep into to knowing this relationship and how he invigorates, how he breathes life, how he, how he empowers you to walk in this. Anybody need some more of the Holy Spirit? That it's not just him filling you with a feeling, but he's filling you with life. And as he fills you with life, it flows out of you. You can't stop it. You can't contain it. Amen and amen. Let's remind you of another scripture you should know, the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And know this, it doesn't say fruits. It actually says fruit. So the fruit 
of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Let me say this as well. Aren't you thankful for that I don't have to depend on my love for Jesus to get me through something? My love is, limit, is limited, but his love is, is a complete supply, a waterfall that never dries up. It is complete. It is full. And when I rely on his love for me, it is never limit, limit, limited. It is limitless. And so there's a limitless flow from heaven, a limitless flow from his heart that is flowing into your life to remind you it's not based off your love, thank you, God, because we love him imperfectly, but he loves us perfectly. And it's allowing that perfect love. And a lot of the times the way he loves us is what I just read. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's through joy. It's through peace. He is long-suffering with us. Somebody say amen to that. Thank you, Jesus. He is kind. He's not nice. He's kind. He has goodness. He is faithful. He is gentle. This is so important. Many times... Jesus, when he opens us up and does a deep work, he is a specialist. He is a physician who is well-trained with the scalpel to go in and do some open-heart surgery, and he won't leave you damaged. He won't leave, do malpractice on you. He will do exactly what is needed and what is intended for you. He's gentle. He has self-control. He's not going to be schizophrenic. He's not going to love you one day and be mad at you the next. His love is consistent and flowing and he has good self-control. He is a good father. He does not act out in anger and rage towards you. That's not God. John 15. We read this a few weeks ago, but I want you to see this again. John 15, because when you say, Jesus, I want to love you more, or I want your love to flow through me, this is what you're signing up for. You're signing up because even as we've talked of in these resurrectionals, when Mary Magdalene sees Jesus at the tomb, she had mistaken him for a gardener. And I always love to say that on the other side of resurrection, Jesus looks like a gardener. And many times his hand is gardening our lives. And here we see John getting prophetic insight of what the divine gardener does and how he loves us and how he makes us more like him. John 15 says this. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Aren't you thankful he prunes you and he prunes me? And he takes things that are unfruitful. He takes anger. He takes pain. He takes the trauma of our past. He takes the bitterness. He takes the ungodliness. He takes all of the sexual sin. He takes all of these things that have brought sin and bore consequences in our life as he does a divine work of pruning. He doesn't leave you out there in la-la land or out there by yourself to figure it out. When you're allowing him to love you, sometimes he loves you the best by pruning you. But it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. And many times when the Lord begins to work in a church corporately, it feels a lot like pruning. And you got to let him. Don't jump away from the pruning because this is where he begins to take things off and then put his life in you. This is what he says in verse 2, that he prunes so that you'll bear 
more fruit. Not just a little bit of fruit, not just the fruit you know. You like apples, but you don't like bananas. Guess what? He doesn't care. He wants you to grow some bananas as well because it's for your good. He says you're already clean because of the word. Oh, this is, this is good. So this is what the word does. When it washes you, it cleans you. You ever get fruit? Maybe you were like me for a long time, and I still do at times. But you just trust your produce. You trust Kroger. You trust wherever you buy your food, Trader Joe's, that they've washed your fruit well enough. Some of you are like, absolutely not. It goes through a deep clean before it ever goes into my mouth. So you can see fruit that looks nutritious or looks ready to eat or it's fresh, but you got to go through another level of cleaning it if you want to really be insured, washing it, throwing it under some water, straining it. You, you want to clean it. So it's saying that divine pruning happens when you open up the scripture and you allow it to read you, you allow it to study you, you wrestle with it, and it does this work of pruning so that you can respond in obedience and in sacrifice and what he's called you to and you can love him Jesus the way he has prescribed us of how we love him not just by word but by deed and here it is he says you've got to abide in me and as you abide in me I am in you and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me you can't be disconnected from the source Many of us, we, we try to do things without the source. We try to just run on battery power and never charging up. <clears throat> Abiding is the deeper way. Abiding is not just showing up. Abiding is a state of being. It's where we live. It's where we find our life. It's, moms, how you get through a hard day, a hard week, a hard year, is you've got to stay abiding with him because you'll run out, you'll be depleted, and you'll start doing things in your own strength. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears this fruit, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We really live that way. I think our worship would look different. I think the way we build our lives and our careers and raise our children would look a lot different if we really understood what Jesus himself said, that without him we can do nothing. If you don't abide in me, the scripture says, he is cast out as a branch and you're withered and you gather them and you throw them into the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Hear this, when we abide, this is how we love Jesus. He's glorified in our abiding. And as he's glorified, you're going to bear much fruit in this, so you will be my disciples. And hear this in verse 9, as the Father loved me. Jesus is saying, I know what I'm talking about. This is how the Father has loved me. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And hear this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, if you have an obedience issue, you have a love issue. You can't obey your way into love. It's the other way around. You have to love your way into obedience to Jesus. 
Because if you try to obey your way in and just do everything right, cross every dot, or dot, uh, dot every I, cross every T, you're doing it backwards and you're, you're trying to do more through grit than it does through surrender. Don't get me wrong, you need grit. Because when you find, when you get it right and you're loving him toward obedience, then that's where grit comes into play. Well, guess what? There's disciplines. There's boundaries I've put in my life so that I don't retract, so I don't digress. But I'm going from glory to glory. I'm growing from grace to grace. But if you do it void of love and just I'm going to obey, I'm going to do, you're going to miss the heart issue that is what motivates and what pulses you into loving him and into growing in him. This is why in churches... We've got to be careful that we don't elevate a gift over fruit. Many times you experience hurt, or a church will experience hurt, with just because somebody has a gift, but it's not accompanied by fruit, that very gift that you think you were going to honor God with is the very thing that can take you down, down, down. And we live in a, in a, in a culture that is just saying, if you have a gift, get on the stage. If you have, um, uh, if, you, if you feel like you're ready, then then. I approach and, and I'm ready to go, but ultimately we're not here to get your gift and for you to shine. I'm not here to shine in front of you. This worship team is not here to shine. Everything we do, it's that he would be glorified and he would shine because of the fruit that is seen. Not by how well I preach, not by how well a guitar is played, a piano is played, how well all of those things are good and needed, but out of balance, out of priority, it's messed up, it's missed. And you can't build a church on a gift. You've got to build a church on fruit. And this is what we're going deep to, that Jesus, please allow this church to be built on fruit, not on a gift. Allow the gift to come out of fruit, not try to catch fruit up with someone or something that is gifted. I love this. Is If the plant is uprooted, the sap can't seep in. We tried... We potentially were going to transplant some um, arborvitaes at our at our house, and these things have been growing 15 years. We're like, why why wait 15 years with a small arborvitae tree when we can just take some of these big ones up against the house that that do nothing? We can move them on the property line, and we'll have instant privacy. You'd think that'd be a great idea, right? Well, we talked to a, a specialist, and they said, oh, good luck. Because if you try to transplant that thing, it has about a, a, a 25% chance of living. And many times we try to take these shortcuts or we just, you know, if God is moving over there where it's uncomfortable here, I'll transplant myself thinking I can rush a process. Get out of the pruning. And many times the Lord is saying, no, you need to trust the process. You need to be uncomfortable and not have your privacy right away and allow the tree, allow the arbor body to grow. Don't always look to transplant something or transplant yourself because you think it's a shortcut. We've got to allow the sap to go deep. You know, I love this is when we love him the way he prescribes. And Corey, if you'd come, help me close. Is we want to give back to God the love he has given us. Again, we can't love unless the Spirit of God sheds it upon our heart and that we have a, a, a real encounter, a real revelation of that He has first loved us. So we want to give back to God what He's given us. 
and we want to take that love and we want to aim it back at his beautiful heart. It's almost as though he's initiated and we're always responding. And when you live like this, it takes the stress out of it and you get into this place with Jesus where it's just real, it's honest, it's not complicated. And so many of us, we've complicated our relationship with Jesus because we don't know who he is because we don't know his word. And you get to know Jesus, you get to know our Father by the way he is revealed in the scripture. Ephesians 4, 3 says this, because love and unity many times go hand in hand. You want greater unity in your home, greater unity in your marriage, unity in the church, because guess what? If you're in the house of God, unity will always be a target. But this is how we're proactive. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. And hear this, when you approach the cross, when you approach Jesus, it's never impounding your chest and saying, look what I've done for you. Where are you? And we just, we throw our shoulders back and feel like God owes us something. This is never the way. That's pride. But look what it says. It says, come to him with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering bearing with one another in love. And this is what I love here in verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When you pursue love, when you pursue this unity, it is like this bond that comes into your walk with the Lord and into your relationships, and it bonds you together, and it brings real peace. See, we have all this love, and, and love is love, but it's never absent. It's always absent of a cross because you can never define love without defining the cross. This is how we truly know love. The cross equals love, and without it, it is not real love. You see, his presence has to become the preeminent pursuit of our lives because when his presence is preeminent pursuit, it is the salve, it is the oil, it is the thing that keeps unity because we live in a world that tries to unify over this cause, over this hashtag, over this people group, over this thing, over this corporation. All of it, though it may be good and though it may bring change or what have you, at the end of the day, if we are not bound in the presence of God, it will all falter and it will always fail. Because as Christians, we're not bound by a hashtag, by a cause, by this thing, by this culture, but it is through the unity of the Spirit is what we are bound by. And when we commit to that in unity, just as they were in the upper room, that's in one accord. That's when the Holy Spirit said, I now want to touch because they are in one accord. They are in unity. And if we can get in unity, then we'll see God do things you never knew were possible. This is where the enemy is after, our unity. And it goes so coincide with love. Philippians 2 speaks to this as we close. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, 
fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done. Here's what we see again. It's not through pride, but it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in what? We see it once again. But in lowliness of mind, let's esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out for your own interest, but also the interests of others. Again, it's the lowliness of mind. It's in humility that we experience this love. I want you to see this, and I want to read this of what the cross means because and how it's connected into his love being shed deeply in your life because this can change everything. It has changed everything. It's just, are you receptive to it? Are you walking in it? We'll pray and we'll close today. We know in Mark 8.35, Jesus says this. It says, if you want to become my follower, you have to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Our society doesn't often encourage us to deny ourselves and to lose our lives for others. Yet this is precisely the fundamental teaching of our Lord. It's interesting to note when Jesus said this to his followers, it was right after they answered the most important question. Who do people say that I am? And with this declaration, they said, you are the Christ. The disciples finally understood who Jesus is, and he then reveals to them the path of true discipleship. If they want to sincerely follow him, they must walk the way of self-denial. They must be ready to give up their life, to lose it for others, and for the sake of the gospel. This is precisely the path of the cross in which we discover the greatest meaning of life. Our Lord made many promises to his followers. He said things like, follow me on a journey into the kingdom of God, and you'll discover God's peace that passes all understanding. He says things like, I'll be with you and will never abandon you to the end of the age. He says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll reveal to you the path toward paradise and fill your life with the deepest meaning and purpose. I adopt you as my precious and beloved child and will help you discover your eternal heritage as my cherished children. Aren't you thankful for these promises today? He says, if you choose to follow me, all these precious promises await you. The Lord says, but here's the caveat. However, however, you must understand that the path which leads to this truly blessed life is the path of self-denial, of crucifying your ego. Becoming my disciple won't include the easy, the comfortable, the prosperous path that society idolizes. To walk intimately with Jesus means rejecting the self-centered life and walking an other-centered life. It means turning away from the spirit of this world and seeking first the kingdom of God. It means denying certain pleasures and desires in order to place something more eternal and meaningful at the center of our lives. It means accepting whatever cross God allows to come our way and bearing that cross with faith, with fortitude, and with hope. Ultimately, following Jesus isn't about what we want. Christ shatters our egocentric world and leads us to a new discovery of being. 
as the Apostle Paul so clearly stated in the Scripture, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Are we willing to give up our own will and honestly pray, your will be done? This is the question we have to ask every day. Here lies the most important discovery. For every authentic follower of Jesus, we deny ourselves and give up freedom to discover something greater than ourselves. We are free, yet Christ-centered freedom leads us to use our freedom not for ourselves, but for others. We are free to love others even when they don't love us. Free to forgive others even if they choose to hold a grudge against us. Free to treat others kindly and to treat others as we want them to treat us. Even if they don't reciprocate in like manner, in other words, we use our freedom to deny ourselves and live under the reign of God's kingdom here and now, even in a fallen world. This is the path of being a disciple. This is the cross-centered path. And I'm telling you, as tough as it may be, we live this life to get each other to heaven, to get heaven into all of us, to do what Jesus called us to do, to obey his commandments, to abide in him. And I pray as you abide, it just doesn't leave your hand empty, but understand it will fill your hand with everything you have need of, every promise, every good and perfect thing. This perfect love today will cast out every fear that you have. But do you want it? Are you okay if he says it comes through a cross? a rugged cross, a heavy cross, a cross that you didn't choose, a cross that you don't know what's on the other side of it. The apostles in the resurrection didn't know what was on the other side of Jesus' crucifixion. Thank God we do. If you'd stand with me today, we're going to honor the Lord by taking of his body and of his blood. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.